When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grosser Show. I think this is UConn's tournament to lose. I think that this UConn team has a heck of a shot at cutting down the nets. This is the first time ever in the history of the tournament that there isn't going to be a number one seed in the Elite Eight. It's going to be fun, especially later on today, because that UConn-Gonzaga game out in Vegas, a little bit later on tonight, I mean, you can make a strong case the winner of that game could be the team we see cutting down the nets next week. That's almost like a de facto national championship game in the Elite Eight between the Huskies and between Gonzaga. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, your little hoops update here tonight. As far as the college hoops is concerned, we are down to the Elite Eight. Eight teams standing, still to cut down the nets next week in Houston. Today, first two tickets to the Final Four are going to get punched. Madison Square Garden is where it all uh, begins today, 6 o'clock. You got the East Regional Final. You got Florida Atlantic, the upstart Owls taking on... Marquise Noel, local product, and K-State should be a good one. And then later on tonight out in Vegas, you got the West Regional Final. It's going to be a good one. UConn against Gonzaga. I think the winner of that game is going to be in the driver's seat, I think, once they get down to Houston next week to win the whole darn thing. So that's what you got as far as the college hoops are concerned. NBA, Brooklyn. In Miami tonight to take on the Heat, that is a massive game for both teams, but especially for the Nets because they're floundering right now. Uh, losers of five consecutive games. And you know what? They could also hit, uh, help the Knicks out, too, if they could get themselves a victory. And, I, you know, I was thinking about that, too. Like, if you're a Knicks fan, who do you root for tonight in that game? They both have 34 losses. Like, I've, I've really been going back and forth. Like, if you sit down to watch that game, you're rooting for the, uh, the, the Nets or you're rooting for the Miami Heat. And, and I think that when push comes to shove, you probably root for the Heat, as crazy as that sounds. And I think you root for the Heat. Um, before we get to that, though, Joel Sherman reporting, Luis Severino, a low-grade lat strain in jeopardy of making his first start. He ain't going to make his first start. Okay, there, there, there's well, – let's add on to the breaking news. He ain't going to make his first start. If they're, if they're bouncing him for tomorrow, he's got a low-grade latch strain, and he's pitched terrible so far in the spring, that he probably ain't going to be making that first start. And you just hope that it isn't anything that warrants multiple starts. So that's the 411 with Severino. As far as the Yankees are concerned, if there's any more information, we will give it to you. But with this game tonight here with the Nets and the Heat, I, I still think you root for Miami because – the Knicks have Miami on Wednesday, right? So you can handle your business. If you're good enough to make the playoffs, if you're good enough to finish above Miami and finish above Brooklyn, then you go deal with your business your own on the court coming up this week. Prove that you are a top five team in the Eastern Conference. Prove it. So in that sense, give the extra loss to the Nets. That'll drop them down to 35 in the loss column because you want to stay ahead of Miami and Brooklyn when it comes to the loss, and you're one ahead of both of them right now. So if you're asking me, Nick fans, you root for the Miami Heat 
tonight in this game against Brooklyn. And, and look, as far as the Nets are concerned, the rest of the way here, they don't have a difficult schedule. Like, I mean, if you're going to sit here and try to, you know, look at things positively about where things are with them, I mean, they kind of have an easy road the rest of the way. Now, look, when you're spinning out of control like they've been, nothing seems easy. But they only play a couple of teams that have winning records. Like Miami tonight, I think they close out with Philadelphia. That's it. Every other game there is extremely, extremely winnable. And you know what's crazy? Like they had like a week and a half ago, they had a three-game lead on Miami. And now it's gone. Like that's how fast this thing could change if you go into a prolonged funk like the Nets find themselves in right now. And that loss on Thursday against Cleveland was, I mean, that's almost like the type of game where you want to wave the white flag. It's one of two ways. It could just keep this thing sputtering out of control, or maybe Thursday is going to be the wake-up call that the Nets need to where that loss was so bad, it was such a collapse, that maybe that's going to be the turning point of their season to where they're going to go down to Miami and win tonight. They'll, they'll go to Orlando and, and pick up a W there tomorrow and then kind of salvage things a little bit and get them back on a little bit more stable ground and finish out of that playing tournament. But I, I'm not convinced that's going to happen, right? I mean, how can you be with the way things have gone here of late? And at least you finally got some closure when it comes to Ben Simmons yesterday. We haven't seen him in a while. and I mean... What else is new when talking about Ben Simmons? But now the, ne- the Nets tell you officially that Ben Simmons is dealing with a nerve impingement in his back. Okay. Great. Um, do you view this thing any differently when talking about Ben Simmons and what he's done so far since climbing aboard the Brooklyn Nets? What he's done really... Last two seasons of his NBA career, like, do you feel any differently about him? He hasn't played in, what, a month and a half? He's done absolutely nothing for the Nets this season. And you can't sit there and blame it on the shenanigans of, of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant when they were here. Guy just never plays. It's always something. You know, when you think about Ben Simmons, and I, I know that he's only 26 years old, He's not a geezer by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, on paper, you would like to think that he still has a long career ahead of him. But what's his value right now, right? Because he's not doing the Nets any good. I mean, and, and, and the situation that the Nets are in right now with the franchise and they're kind of in this rebuilding mode and trying to get this thing going again from the ground up and, you know, building around a couple of young guys and still trying to see if they can one day land themselves another superstar too that's going to make them instant contenders again in the Eastern Conference. Does Ben Simmons really fit into this equation? Does he? Because the economics, I think, also are something that have to factor in here. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's still under contract for two more years, he makes $38 million next season, $38 million bucks, where you're lucky if he plays 38 games in a season. You know, he's only played, I think, what, 40 or 42 or something like that this year. He's essentially, by that money, you're paying him about a million dollars a game. That's good money if you could get it. That is a heck of a living. And then the year after that, he counts $40 million on your books. So 70 Eight seventy-nine million million in change over the next two seasons. 
is what Ben Simmons is under contract for. What do you think the net return is going to be on a guy like Ben Simmons over that length of time? No pun intended, too, with the net return. Do you see a future with him here with this basketball team? I, I don't necessarily do. But it still goes back to what is his value. Like, are the Nets going to be able to unload him someplace else? Unload that. It's not even so much unloading the player. It's unloading the contract. Is there going to be another team that has ample cap space that'll just be able to take that contract aboard with two more seasons? I don't know about two. If you had one more year after this, maybe it's a little bit more attractive to a team to say, all right, I'll bring that on. No problem. It's just a year. We'll eat it. He, you know, even if he doesn't play, that's fine. We're rebuilding. You know, you take a bad team that, you know, doesn't have high expectations, doesn't have any sort of bloated contracts. You could bring that guy aboard just to free up the money. Maybe toss in a draft pick or two because remember, Nets got draft picks. Nets got a ton of draft picks with all these trades and stuff that they've made. They can attach a pick to the Ben Simmons contract and say, please take it. Please take it. Take it off our hands. But I don't know what the plan is for Brooklyn. And look, we'll worry about the summertime when it gets here. Right now, you have to concern yourself if you're a Net fan, all five of you, right? How do you wake up from this malaise? How do you get this season back on the right track? And, you know, can it be salvaged? Expectations have been altered significantly for this basketball team. After they tore it up at the middle of the season and said goodbye to KD, said goodbye to Kyrie, I mean, anything that they accomplished this year was gravy. I didn't think that they would finish in the top six. Remember, because when these trades were made, the Knicks were sitting there in the seventh spot in the playing tournament. And so when you were doing process of elimination, you said, okay, what's it going to take for the Knicks to get in the top six? Well, obviously some team had to drop back, and you thought that was going to be Brooklyn because the personnel was nowhere near the same caliber of what it was before those guys got traded, and that has happened, right? Nets are now the team on the outside looking in, and they're probably going to finish there. They probably will. You know, Miami seems to be rounding into form here of late. I don't like Miami. You know, I don't think that – they're dangerous. Like, I can't see Miami going on one of these runs. This isn't the bubble from a couple of years ago when they went all the way to the NBA Finals, which was a fluke, and it only happened because they were in the bubble. But I think Miami's going to finish in the top six. And I still think when push comes to shove, the Knicks are going to finish there too because I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Nets. And I know that that's not like an overwhelming vote of confidence for where the Knicks are right now, but it gets the job done. Right? I mean, because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You just want to make sure that you're in that top six and guarantee that you're in a best of seven series. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get your basketball calls coming up. Also, got to talk about the passing of a basketball giant in Willis Reed earlier this week, which certainly was felt pretty heavily here in New York when you're talking about losing some of these icons and We've lost a few of them over the last few years, and this one no easier. Dan Grosser Show till noon, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, your little hoops update here tonight. As far as the college hoops is concerned, we are down to the Elite Eight. Eight teams standing, still to cut down the nets next week in Houston. Today, first two tickets to the Final Four are going to get punched. Madison Square Garden is where it all begins today, 6 o'clock. You got the East Regional Final. You got Florida Atlantic, the upstart Owls taking on Marquise Noel, local product, and K-State should be a good one. And then later on tonight out in Vegas, you got the West Regional Final. There's going to be a good one. UConn against Gonzaga. I think the winner of that game is going to be in the driver's seat, I think, once they get down to Houston next week to win the whole darn thing. So that's what you got as far as the college hoops are concerned. NBA, Brooklyn in Miami tonight to take on the Heat. That is a massive game for both teams, but especially for the Nets because they're floundering right now. Uh, losers of five consecutive games. And you know what? They could also hit, uh, help the Knicks out, too, if they could get themselves a victory. And, I, you know, I was thinking about that, too. Like, if you're a Knicks fan, who do you root for tonight in that game? They both have 34 losses. Like, I've, I, I've really been going back and forth. Like, if you sit down to watch that game, you're rooting for the, uh, the, the Nets or you're rooting for the Miami Heat. And, and I think that when push comes to shove – you probably root for the Heat, as crazy as that sounds. And I think you root for the Heat. Um, before we get to that, though, Joel Sherman reporting, Luis Severino, a low-grade lat strain in jeopardy of making his first start. He ain't going to make his first start. Okay, there, there, there's. Well, let's add on to the breaking news. He ain't gonna make his first start. If they're if they're bouncing him for tomorrow, he's got a low grade lat strain and he's pitched terrible so far in the spring. That he probably ain't gonna be making that first start. And you just hope that it isn't anything that warrants multiple starts. So that's the four one one with Severino. As far as the Yankees are concerned, if there's any more information, we will give it to you. But with this game tonight here with the Nets and the Heat, I I still think you root for Miami because. The Knicks have Miami on Wednesday, right? So you can handle your business. If you're good enough to make the playoffs, if you're good enough to finish above Miami and finish above Brooklyn, then you go deal with your business your own on the court coming up this week. Prove that you are a top-five team in the Eastern Conference. Prove it. So in that sense, give the extra loss to the Nets. That'll drop them down to 35 in the loss column because you want to stay ahead of Miami and Brooklyn when it comes to the loss, and you're one ahead of both of them right now. So if you're asking me, Nick fans, you root for the Miami Heat tonight in this game against Brooklyn. And, and look, as far as the Nets are concerned, the rest of the way here, they don't have a difficult schedule. Like, I mean, if you're going to sit here and try to, you know, look at things positively 
about where things are with them. I mean, they kind of have an easy road the rest of the way. Now, look, when you're spinning out of control like they've been, nothing seems easy. But they only play a couple of teams that have winning records. Like Miami tonight, and I think they close out with Philadelphia. That's it. Every other game there is extremely, extremely winnable. And you know what's crazy? Like they had like a week and a half ago, they had a three-game lead on Miami. And now it's gone. Like that's how fast this thing could change if you go into a prolonged funk like the Nets find themselves in right now. And that loss on Thursday against Cleveland was, I mean, that's almost like a type of game where you want to wave the white flag. It's one of two ways. It could just keep this thing sputtering out of control, or maybe Thursday is going to be the wake-up call that the Nets need to where that loss was so bad, it was such a collapse, that maybe that's going to be the turning point of their season to where they're going to go down to Miami and win tonight. They'll, they'll go to Orlando and, and pick up a W there tomorrow and then kind of salvage things a little bit and get them back on a little bit more stable ground and finish out of that playing tournament. But I, I'm not convinced that's going to happen, right? I mean, how can you be with the way things have gone here of late? And at least you finally got some closure when it comes to Ben Simmons yesterday. We haven't seen him in a while, and I mean – what else is new when talking about Ben Simmons? But now the, net, the Nets tell you officially that Ben Simmons is dealing with a nerve impingement in his back. Okay. Great. Um, do you view this thing any differently when talking about Ben Simmons and what he's done so far since climbing aboard the Brooklyn Nets? What he's done really... Last two seasons of his NBA career, like, do you feel any differently about him? He hasn't played in, what, a month and a half? He's done absolutely nothing for the Nets this season. And you can't sit there and blame it on the shenanigans of, of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant when they were here. Guy just never plays. It's always something. You know, when you think about Ben Simmons, and I, I know that he's only 26 years old, He's not a geezer by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, on paper, you would like to think that he still has a long career ahead of him. But what's his value right now, right? Because he's not doing the Nets any good. I mean, and, and, and the situation that the Nets are in right now with the franchise and they're kind of in this rebuilding mode and trying to get this thing going again from the ground up and, you know, building around a couple of young guys and still trying to see if they can one day land themselves another superstar too that's going to make them instant contenders again in the Eastern Conference. Does Ben Simmons really fit into this equation? Does he? Because the economics, I think, also are something that have to factor in here. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's still under contract for two more years, he makes $38 million next season, $38 million bucks, where you're lucky if he plays 38 games in a season. You know, he's only played, I think, what, 40 or 42 or something like that this year. He's essentially, by that money, you're paying him about a million dollars a game. That's good money if you could get it. That is a heck of a living. And then the year after that, he counts $40 million on your books. So 70 $879 million in change over the next two seasons is what Ben Simmons is under contract for. What do you think the net return is going to be on a guy like Ben Simmons over that length of time? No pun intended, too, with the net return. Do you see a future with him here with this basketball team? I, I don't necessarily do. 
But it still goes back to what is his value. Like, are the Nets going to be able to unload him someplace else? Unload that. It's not even so much unloading the player. It's unloading the contract. Is there going to be another team that has ample cap space that'll just be able to take that contract aboard with two more seasons? I don't know about two. If you had one more year after this, maybe it's a little bit more attractive to a team to say, all right, I'll bring that on. No problem. It's just a year. We'll eat it. He, you know, even if he doesn't play, that's fine. We're rebuilding. You know, you take a bad team that, you know, doesn't have high expectations, doesn't have any sort of bloated contracts. You could bring that guy aboard just to free up the money. Maybe toss in a draft pick or two because remember, Nets got draft picks. Nets got a ton of draft picks with all these trades and stuff that they've made. They can attach a pick to the Ben Simmons contract and say, please take it. Please take it. Take it off our hands. But I don't know what the plan is for Brooklyn. And look, we'll worry about the summertime when it gets here. Right now, you have to concern yourself if you're a Net fan, all five of you, right? How do you wake up from this malaise? How do you get this season back on the right track? And, you know, can it be salvaged? Expectations have been altered significantly for this basketball team. After they tore it up at the middle of the season and said goodbye to KD, said goodbye to Kyrie, I mean, anything that they accomplished this year was gravy. I didn't think that they would finish in the top six. Remember, because when these trades were made, the Knicks were sitting there in the seventh spot in the playing tournament. And so when you were doing process of elimination, you said, okay, what's it going to take for the Knicks to get in the top six? Well, obviously some team had to drop back, and you thought that was going to be Brooklyn because the personnel was nowhere near the same caliber of what it was before those guys got traded. And that has happened, right? Nets are now the team on the outside looking in, and they're probably going to finish there. They probably will. You know, Miami seems to be rounding into form here of late. I don't like Miami. You know, I don't think that, they're dangerous. Like, I can't see Miami going on one of these runs. This isn't the bubble from a couple of years ago when they went all the way to the NBA Finals, which was a fluke, and it only happened because they were in the bubble. But I think Miami's going to finish in the top six. And I still think when push comes to shove, the Knicks are going to finish there too because I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in the Nets. And I know that that's not like an overwhelming vote of confidence for where the Knicks are right now, but it gets the job done. Right? I mean, because at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. You just want to make sure that you're in that top six and guarantee that you're in a best of seven series. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get your basketball calls coming up. Also, got to talk about the passing of a basketball giant in Willis Reed earlier this week, which certainly was felt pretty heavily here in New York when you're talking about losing some of these icons and We've lost a few of them over the last few years, and this one no easier. Dan Grosser Show till noon, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. So, yeah, uh, Aaron Boone saying that Severino, low-grade, right latch strain, expected to begin the season on the IL. So, if he's beginning the season on the IL, it's probably two starts you're looking at he's not making. So, forget about the first. He's you know going to be out for the first couple of starts, at least. Um, Clark Schmidt now in line to start game number two of the season for the Bombers against the San Francisco Giants behind the one and only Garrett Cole. And it's... You know, it's not all it's cracked up to be like before the season starts and you line up a rotation and here are the five guys and this guy, one, two, three, and then you think that that's just how they're going to make their way through the rotation once the season starts. And unfortunately, injuries and spring training and all those things have different plans in mind. And that's why you have a scenario that the Yankees are dealing with now where Clark Schmidt is getting game number two to begin the season. Not Severino, not Carlos Rodon or anybody else that you thought, not even Nestor Cortez. Or anybody, because Nestor was dealing with some stuff there as well. So, hey, it's a long season. It's 162 games. I know that it's rough. You don't want to hear that if you're a baseball fan because you want everything to be hunky-dory, you know, from start to finish. No injuries, no speed bumps, no nothing. But you got to remember, you know, it's, it's how you finish. It's not how you begin. I mean, a few years ago, the Washington Nationals. 50 games into the season, they were 19 up and 31 down, and at the end of the year, they were hoisting the trophy as World Series champs, right? Last year, the Philadelphia Phillies were playing dreadful baseball in May, and they fired Joe Girardi and made Rob Thompson the manager, and Bryce Harper missed a chunk of time because of the elbow he was situation he was dealing with, and the Phillies went all the way to the World Series. So you just, you, you, you don't know, Right? It stinks. It's not ideal. You know, you don't get to see your favorite players necessarily right out of the chute. But that's baseball, man. You know, that's why they say it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, Really sad with the passing of Willis Reed earlier this week. And, you know, I did the game on whatever night that was on Wednesday when the Knicks were down in Miami, which was the first game, you know, since his passing. And, And it was emotional, certainly all throughout the broadcast. I mean, most of our broadcast, at least with the pregame show, was all Willis Reed related as opposed to even the Knicks and the Heat and, you know, getting ready for that game. And rightfully so, as it should have been, because you're talking about a giant figure, not just in basketball, but certainly in this city's history. And, and when you talk about these icons and, and, and these beloved figures, you know, the Knicks especially, you know, you've only won two championships and this guy was, you know, at the center of both of them you're going to have an indelible mark on the franchise. You know, with the history of this organization, I mean, he was the first guy to have his number retired. He was the first guy in the history of the NBA to win a All-Star Game MVP, a regular season MVP, a Finals MVP, all in the same season, right? He was the first two-time Finals MVP, I think, in the history of the NBA. You know, and injuries took its toll on his career, or else he would have had even a longer career and a greater career. He only played 10 years, but it was all with the Knicks, so you identify him as clearly 
you know, such an important member, an iconic member of this franchise and really of this city's sports history. And, you know, we lost Tom Seaver a few years ago, you know, that era, right? 69 Mets and the Knicks with the 70 and 73, like all during that time. And it's weird because like where we are right now, all of these teams seem like they're figuring it out again. And everything is kind of lining up, I guess, as it should be. We're all the teams are good, right? Mets and Yankees are going to have good seasons this year. Knicks and Nets, in some way, shape, or form, are both going to be in the playoffs this year. All three hockey teams, although a couple of them are making it a little bit diff- difficult on themselves, all three hockey teams are probably going to be in the playoffs this year. Giants were in the playoffs last year, right? Jets, everybody wants to play for the Jets. They'll probably be good this year. So, It's all coming up New York, but, you know, the last time this city was truly, truly special. Like I said, that 69-70, you know, when he had the Jets winning the Super Bowl, the Mets winning the World Series, the Knicks winning the championship. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like, you know, to live through that. I mean, the closest thing that I could think of probably... Well, I mean, in 86, he had the Mets win the World Series and the Giants win the Super Bowl. Jets were also good in 86. They might have been in the Super Bowl without for those injuries. It started 10-1 and one that year. Um, I'm trying to think about the Yankees when they went on that run with the, the Jeter teams in the 90s. Um, Giants went to that Super Bowl in 2000, you know, when the Yankees and the Mets were in the Subway Series and they got steamrolled by the Ravens, but they still had a good run. You know, Jets were okay. Knicks were still kind of okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's been like, you know, we're pushing – Close to 25 years, you know, where you had like championship level teams in this city and everybody was kind of good at the same time. And, you know, things were pointing in the right direction. So, you know, winning is what leaves you an identity. You know, it's not just about, you know, being a good player. Like the winning is something extra special. If you're a championship team and, you know, you are forever linked with one another, not just with the guys on the team, players, coaches, but the city and its fans, I think, more than anything else. And you know what's funny about it for somebody like myself and maybe even, you know, people in my age bracket? When I was a kid growing up, like, I first knew of Willis Reed not as a Hall of Fame player. Hell, not even as a Nick. Willis Reed was the general manager and he was the head coach of the New Jersey Nets. Right, I grew up in Jersey. He was a Net fan. Willis Reed was the architect of my basketball team. I didn't know that he was a Hall of Famer and he he identifies as the other team in town, the rival. I had no idea. All I knew was he was a guy who was trying to turn the Nets around and make them a winner. And I'll tell you something. Willis Reed's career as an executive with the Nets, I kind of look at it and I would phrase it as being almost – Like, that's the word that I would use to describe it. Like, almost. Now, look, they were bad, and they hit the lottery on back-to-back occasions. So they had the first pick in the draft the one year in, what was it, 1990, and they took Derek Coleman. The next year, they picked second in the draft, and they took Kenny Anderson. All right, and and Kenny and, and Coleman and Anderson were supposed to be like, you know, the East Coast version of Stockton and Malone. It never panned out that way, but... They were on their way. You know, he had built a nice, good, young team, a fun team. I mean, I I was living and dying with those teams on a night-in, night-out basis. You know, the trade that he made 
you know, once upon a time, and it didn't get like a heck of a lot of fanfare, but um, traded for Drazen Petrovic, right? When Petrovic was, you know, out there in Portland and, you know, kind of a bench guy, nowhere near thinking that he would blossom into this superstar. And it was just like a three-team trade. You know, Terry Mills was in that trade. Uh, Greg Cadillac Anderson, remember that? It was a three-team trade, and ultimately it brought the Nets back Drazen Petrovic. And then once he got a chance to play here consistently, I mean, the guy developed into an all-star caliber player, and he was going to be somebody who might have been a, a, a future star. And then tragically, he ends up losing his life, you know, in that auto accident during the offseason. And, and that was the singular event which really put an end to that run of Nets teams. But, you know, you say, what if? You know, if the thing never happened with Petrovic and, you know, Coleman, Kenny Anderson, Drazen Petrovic, that was a heck of a big three. I would have loved to have seen what that big three would have been able to do for a couple of more years. They made the playoffs on two occasions, and both times they lost to that Brad Darty, um, uh, Brad Darty, Mark Price, Larry Nance, Cleveland Cavaliers team. Those teams were those Cavaliers teams were really good. Like you know when they when they do those like documentaries and these stories about like the what if teams and you know almost and good teams underrated teams. Problem with those Cavaliers teams, they just played in the Eastern Conference at the same time as the Jordan Bulls. You know, just like a lot of teams could say what if, just like those Ewing Knicks teams. What if there was no Jordan, no Bulls? Cleveland, same things. Those Cleveland teams were good, but you know, think about it. He got Chuck Daly to come coach this team. Chuck Daly, Hall of Famer, two championships with Detroit. The guy coached the freaking dream team. And he got Chuck Daly to agree to come to East Rutherford, New Jersey to coach the Nets because he saw the talent that was on this team. And they only had a couple of cracks at it with Chuck, unfortunately. And as I said, you know, the Petrovich accident really just kind of brought an end to all that stuff. And, you know, you could play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game, but, you know, Willis Reed did a nice job with those teams in Jersey. He, he really and truly did. And, and he just wished that some of those events never took place and you never know how far they could have taken it. But uh, certainly a, a giant and somebody who is an icon of New York sports. That's for sure. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get some calls coming up here. We'll get into the football and the situation with the Jets to begin 11 o'clock as well. Dan Grasso Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Actually, get Islanders hockey a little bit later on today. It's going to be a 1050 vehicle. Isles are going to be home for the Buffalo Sabres. Boy, Buffalo had all piss and vinegar last night, huh? Uh, spoiling the Devils' hopes of clinching a playoff spot. Had that second period eruption, and then they hung on for a 5 4 victory. The Isles mailed it in last night in Columbus. Well, I don't want to say mail it in, that's a little bit of a stretch, but uh, they got a point out of it. They lost in overtime to a bad Blue Jackets team, so they'll take another stab at it tonight. 
They host Buffalo. Rangers are in Florida to take on the Panthers right here on 98.7. Pre-game starting at 4.30 and then the game at 5. And the Devils will try once again to punch their ticket to the playoffs. Believe it or not, they'd only be the third team in the league to clinch a playoff spot. That's how good of a season they've had. Uh, they take on Ottawa tonight in Newark coming up at 7 o'clock. See if they can bounce back and get into the postseason. Remember, once in the last decade, Devils have been in the playoffs. That one year where they made that kind of fluky run where Taylor Hall somehow, some way won the Hart Trophy. Taylor Hall, like I, 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 that season where he was named the MVP, like years from now, if you're a hockey fan, you're going to have one of these like, you know, just sitting around with your buddies talking about hockey. And then like one of the most – Taylor Hall is going to be one of the most obscure like Hart Trophy winners like in NHL history. <laughs> you're going to look back and say, oh, my God, he won the Hart Trophy? Oh, yeah, that's right. And remember the Devils he did. And, and led them to the playoffs that season, and then they got uh, bounced in the first round by a, a better Tampa Bay Lightning team. But, you know, this is a better Devils team this year, and, and this team could make life hell for a lot of clubs in the Eastern Conference because they're young, they're fast, and I think they're dangerous this time of year. Uh, 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll get to the calls in just a second. Last night in the NBA, you're talking about a mail-in job. Dallas. And they're scuffling a little bit here. They're fighting it. I don't know if Kyrie Irving's presence has anything to do with that or not. But just like I said, it always seems wherever Kyrie goes, things just don't work out, right? So Dallas is home for Charlotte. All right? And Charlotte stinks. They're so bad that Michael Jordan is thinking of cashing out and selling off a piece. Like, Michael Jordan can't even bother watching this team anymore. That's how bad they've been. So Charlotte who's already eliminated from playoff consideration, all those things. Charlotte was a 16-point dog going into Dallas last night. And you know what the Hornets did? By golly, they won themselves a basketball game. That is the biggest, according to the point spread, the biggest single upset in the NBA all season. Okay, a 16-point dog goes in, wins the game out, and they won it by eight points too. Won it by eight points. They were up big. Dallas had to actually come back. They were down double digits at halftime. Let me see. Halftime, it was a 14-point game for Charlotte, even though leads don't mean anything in the NBA nowadays. I mean, you could wipe out a 14-point deficit in like two minutes, the way the league is now, shooting threes and everything. So Dallas loses. They're two games under 500. they They're technically out of the playoffs right now. Like, if the playoffs began today, Dallas is on the outside looking in. They've got Luka freaking Doncic on their team. But you got to hear some of this sound. First, let's start with the head coach. And Jason Kidd, you know, he's the one that's got to answer all this stuff. Like, you know, Mark Cuban is probably wearing Jason Kidd the hell out as to why he's paying all this money for these guys and they're two games under 500. Like, why is this happening? So here was Jason Kidd, uh, none too pleased about his team's performance. Uh, it was awful. Dog. You know, I think uh, just understanding, you know, the talk before the game of what we we're playing for, playoffs or championship, and uh, to come out, you know, in that first half, but more or less the first quarter, and give up 37, um, the interest level wasn't high. Imagine giving up 37 points in a quarter to the Charlotte Hornets. By golly. You know, Larry Johnson wasn't in the lineup last night. Alonzo Mourning wasn't in the lineup. No Muggsy Bogues. Jordan didn't suit up for the game. 
Didn't the Knicks, I'm trying to think, didn't the Knicks lose to Charlotte 2 at home like not too long ago? They did, right? I think I did that game. How long ago was it? It was standby. Charlotte, By Charlotte, golly. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. I can't find it. Beginning, I, I went right by it, that's why. Beginning of March. There you go. Tuesday, March 7th. Right, they lost 112-105. That, right, that ended the winning streak. The nine-game win streak came to an end because they mailed it in against Charlotte. They ran out of gas. Remember, oh, they're just tired. They're tired because they played the double overtime game, uh, the previous uh, game against Boston on the road, and then they had nothing left in the second half, and nobody wanted to make excuses and blah, 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 blah. Anyway. All right, so the Knicks could join that category. Knicks and Mavericks, they're in the same club. It's like that Spider-Man meme on the internet, like where they're pointing to each other. That's the Knicks and the Hornets. Anyway, so that's Jason Kidd. Now, what about Luka? Luka's out of sorts a little bit. You know, you see Luka, you think Julius Randle's body language is bad at times? Like, Luka right now looks like, you know, he, he lost his best friend or something. He, he, he looks miserable. Absolutely miserable. This guy's got the world in the palm of his hands. Think about the contract that and the money that he is set to make for the rest of his career, right? I mean, he's got it made in the shade, but he looks miserable. Maybe that has something to do with Kyrie. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I don't want to spread any rumors. But listen to Luca last night after the game, asking. You know, he was asked if this season's been frustrating. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. Uh, you know, I think you can see it with me on the court. Uh, sometimes I I don't feel it's me. I'm just being out there. You know, I used to have really fun, smiling on court, but it's just been so frustrating for a lot of reasons, not just basketball. A lot of reasons, not just basketball. Now look, they're human beings. They got stuff going on in their lives, just like I do, just like you do. So they're not immune from that stuff. There is real life that intervenes, even though they seem like superheroes when they're out there on the floor. But if you just saw, if you watched it, the, the, the body language, I mean, he looked awful. Awful. Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the hell's going on down there in Dallas. I, I really and truly don't. I mean, maybe it's Kyrie. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we're trying to put two and two together here, right? You know, when you say about somebody like everything that this person touches turns to gold, everything that Kyrie touches turns to soot. And maybe that's happening right now with the Mavericks. Cockroaches. Let's say hi to Omar in Brooklyn. It's always good to get his perspective. Omar, good morning. It's good to hear from you. What's going on? Yeah, good morning. Listen, Dan, first thing that everybody knows, and as you should know already, that if Dallas doesn't make the playoff, uh, uh, the, the uh, top 10 protected if they top have 11 protected. Yes, so if we get 11 seeds, so we don't have to upgrade. We can do picks and go. Uh, on the top of the league, we don't have to spend money. We can find a wing player that uh, we need, a young wing player or somebody we have too many draft picks. So uh, uh, we are in good hands. So now, look, listen, you can go deflate three games, losing streak, and uh, going into a plane that we have to be half guys. But uh, they were tried a little bit. Minnesota was five games losing seed, desperate teams because they were seventh seed. They want to make into the first six seed and play up. They were desperate team. Miami Heart was a desperate team. And Orlando Magic didn't have nothing to lose. Now, the Knicks are desperate. They have three days rest, and they're going to be desperate for a win. And against Miami Heat, they will be desperate for a win. Now I know, see what happened this week. That's how the NBA season goes around. With Dallas Mavericks, mm -hmm. I, I, I told my son he was uh, 
a big Luca fan. I said Luca is a great player, but when Rick Carlisle left without saying a word, and then there were uh, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, small readings about in the locker room that Luca and Carlisle was not. Carlisle didn't say a word uh, about Luca, and he just left and he quit. And Rick Carlisle is a players-oriented coach. And he won the championship for Dallas Mavericks. Good coach. So uh, when I hear that, Luca has a Jason Kidd has been talking this, uh, uh, like, in code words, especially to Luca in last five, six games, every press conference. And you have a degenerate superstar. You want Luca? He will be available this year at the end of this year. When the, they will not make the playoff, Kyrie Irving will be flown back to Lakers, and then he was all alone, and Luka will be available. You want him, but you have a – listen, i rather have a, 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 what you called Portland Tailblazer Lillard than Luka. Lillard will be available. Luka will be available after this playoff run, wherever the Knicks are. Knicks have the fix. These are the two teams, I'm telling you, these two superstars will be available if Dallas doesn't make a playoff. I don't look. I, I, he, Omar, thanks for the phone call. And so Omar's a good NBA fan. He knows his basketball, not just the Knicks. He knows his basketball. Here's the thing about Luka, and, 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 and everything that he said, you know what? I think there is an element of truth to that. I don't know if it's 100% true. I mean, we could speculate, but do I think that there's a little bit of dissatisfaction amongst the ranks here? Yeah, absolutely. For the things that Omar just said, and I mean, you could see it. You could see it. But remember, Luca's already signed his extension. All right, he's got a lot of money coming his way over the next. He's still got four more years after this. But does that make him unmovable? Of course not. Of course not. You know, the player is the one that dictates everything anyways. He could wake up one morning and just say, I want out. I want to get traded. I mean, that's the way the NBA works anyway, right? The disgruntled superstar. That's, I've, I've always said that's the best way to build your team, not the draft, not player development, none of that stuff. It's get the disgruntled superstar from some other team because then you don't have to put in the time with child rearing. You don't have to worry about development of the player. You already have a finished product. All you have to do is give up assets and get them on your team. Now, whether that's Luka, whether that's Lillard, you know what? I'm all in if you're going to tell me both of those guys are going to be available. What would cost you more? Definitely Luka. Like, if you're going to trade for one of those guys, it's definitely Luka because he's younger. But Damian Lillard might be a guy who is actually a better fit for this team as currently constituted. Now, you also have to think about what you're subtracting to, what it would ask to give up and players and, and that sort of thing. But as far as more of a finished product, ready to lead this team to where you want it to go, I think Lillard would probably be the better choice, if you're asking me. All right, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Still a lot more to do. We got another hour to play with. We come back. We haven't done any football. Haven't done any yet. What's the latest with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? But you know what? Why they still try to have that thing sort itself out? Hasn't stopped them from bringing in players, and maybe there's going to be more on the way soon. Dan Gross' show for another 60 right here on 98.7 ESPN. By golly.